Whether you're working a corporate job, side hustling, or building a business, Working Girl Talk is the podcast and community for women who work. I'm your host, Abby Zufelt, and I'm here to help you feel confident walking into the workday and to help you get excited about your career. Now, let's talk. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you've had a lovely week. There is no news today. We are getting straight into the interview. Today, I am chatting with Danielle and Shreya, co-founders of the women's apparel line Maison de Papillon and Project Gaia, a collaborative multi-brand concept store in New York showcasing elevated purpose-driven brands. They are so cool. Both of them decided to switch career paths a little bit later and ended up meeting at Parsons. They instantly connected and had the idea to create something chic and effortless from all of their design and fashion learnings there. And now with their new brand, Sustainable Too. In today's episode, we're talking about their career journeys and some advice on how to make that pivot when you know that it's the right time to. Starting Project Gaia during the pandemic, fashion waste, and their mission of making sustainability more approachable for everyone, leading with purpose, and so much more. So excited to share this with you. So interesting. Definitely check out both of their brands. And if you're in New York, definitely check out Project Gaia in store. So excited to have them on today's episode. Welcome Danielle and Shreya to Working Girl Talk. I want to go back. So on the show, we typically go back in time a little bit. So I want to set the scene here. We're going to go back in our little time machine. And I want to hear a little bit about like life as a kid or even just growing up and kind of finding yourself in this entrepreneurial journey. So like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you ever see yourself becoming like a creator, an entrepreneur in this space? Shreya, if you want to go first. As a kid, I always wanted to become an artist. I think I was a very lazy kid and I was very antisocial. And being an artist, I thought would solve both my both my problems. Being a very introvert person, I wanted just to be left alone and you know I would just love sketching or painting and you know always dreamt of going up to the mountains or to the sea, you know, to the beach and just doing my own thing. <laughs> so I think what I do now, being a fashion designer, I think that is the closest I can be to becoming an artist. I feel art and fashion are so interrelated that you know I, I am doing what I loved. Love it, and Danielle. You know, it's funny because I'm just listening to Shreya's story and, and um, this is the first time we've actually done a podcast together. Shreya's done podcasts and I've done podcasts, but we haven't really done one together. And I think that that's a cool question because I totally see us together um, even more. Like I always talk about how perfect Shri and I's partnership is because we're, su- we're such a yin and yang. But as a kid, um, man, uh, my father was an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. And, um, and, and I wish I could say that it was like an easy po- entrepreneurial journey for my parents, but it wasn't. We hustled. And they worked really, really hard. And um, and I remember like my first job be was like we answered my father's, you know, calls. His business calls would come to the house and and I would answer the phone and I'd be like, Decyclone Fence Company, may I help you? And this is like at like nine. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like 
trying he had a construction company so i would i would i would literally pick up his calls if he had his calls transferred to the house my father was um such a networker and he really had to like sell what made him special and his service to make himself the outlier and i think that that like as much as I knew my father wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer, I just wanted to, to deal with people and I wanted to sell and I wanted to be in sales. And the crazy thing is like, you know, that's really what I focus on. It's, it's really perfect the way it works together because, you know, I have this incredible artist, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I was so attracted to working with Shreya. That's, it, it, it just, it's really kind of cool how we complement each other. We're fast forwarding a little bit. How did you guys meet? What's the story there? Like, how did you guys become co-founders and business partners? We met at Parsons. We went to Parsons Design School and that's where we met. We became friends. We had a few classes. We had fashion illustration design class together, which was a very fun class. And we ended up showing up with presentations, which had similar aesthetic. We had similar interests um, and we instantly became friends over our presentations. We had a similar background too, because we weren't fresh graduates or we, we had a background in different walks of life. I had a media background. I had a HRN training background. Danielle had an advertising background. So we, we connected over on, on those things and became friends. And this was something very organic that happened when we founded Maison together. Yeah, it was, it, it was so natural. Well, number one, I'm going to go back to the fact that Shreya was the most, I think in our class, she was like one of the most creative. She always like, like when my, when my croquis look like, like stick figures, hers were like works of art. Like they really had faces on them. And if you're, if you're like a fashion student, you know that the hardest thing to draw, just even an artist is a face, right? And Shreya would show up with these presentations and I was like, okay, she's gotta be my, like, she's gotta be my partner on, on some level, whether it's on a project or whatever the case is. And I can honestly tell you, and I know this for a fact that there was a lot of, um, a lot of our, our crew that wanted to do collaborations with Shreya um, because we respected her so much. Um, so it's funny because, you know, I think our partnership really started with us just kind of throwing ideas at each other and and it it was fun and it was organic like Shreya just mentioned and it was um it wasn't something forced we even did like a test trip together just to kind of see if we could travel together and how how to deal how to problem solve together and we still do that but uh in different in a different way but it's really funny because there's things that I know that I don't have to worry about and there's things that she she knows that she can count on me for. That's always been the consistent between us. We just kind of figure it out. I feel like there's so many good little tips in there that you said about even being co-founders. Like I think that can be a, a struggle or just an interesting thing to navigate for people. So I liked that you mentioned problem solving together, traveling together, things like that. I think really set the stone and setting those expectations beforehand for sure. You mentioned that you were both a little more non-traditional at, at Parsons. And I think something like taking the leap, like switching careers career direction, switching directions in your education in a different field. That is scary, but 
so many people want to do that, but they just kind of don't know how there's that fear that goes along with that pivot. Cause that's a big change. So I would love to hear that decision to, Hey, I'm going to go to Parsons. What led up to that and how you navigated that? For me, it was, it was really kind of funny because um, I went to Parsons like much later in my career, in, in my life, I, I think. I went to Parsons at 34 or my son was going away. My son went to boarding school. And, um, and so I kind of was kind of an empty nester. So I decided, I just woke up one morning and just decided this is something that I wanted to do. And I wanted to do something for myself. I, I had this interest starting something that was just unique and special. And I really didn't, like, I, I, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I don't know that it really, it, it didn't really become what it was until I became a business partner with Shreya. But, but it was a big step. It was a huge step. Um, I, I felt like I was the oldest person at Parsons, um, but that wasn't necessarily true. I didn't realize how difficult it was to actually get into Parsons until it was, <laughs> until people were like, oh my God, did you apply to any of your schools? And I was like, wait, was I supposed to? <laughs> I was just, it was the one school I applied to. I got an apartment. I told everybody I was going to Parsons and they're like, well, have you been accepted? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> you mean it's just not, it's not just like one of those things that you like sign up for. Apparently it's difficult. Uh, but I, I, um, I, I guess I just didn't see anything, anything else. I just saw that it was something that was, that was going to happen. And and it was a huge decision because I moved to New York City and I didn't look back. So I read somewhere that one should delve into at least four careers and uh, should try, basically try four different things in life. And I took it too seriously. And I started with computers. My background is in computers. I was in the ID industry for a little bit and then I moved on to media and then I was on television <laughs> for, for some time, uh, which was fun. Then I went into production when one finds herself or himself uh, at a crossroad where you're figuring out, uh, you know, whether it is a midlife crisis or whether it is just crisis of purpose, you should go back to your childhood and, uh, you know, try to extract it from there, try to figure out what you like the most. And this is what I like the most. I let, I loved art, I loved to paint. And that was the time I was deciding whether to take up art because I wasn't trained professionally. And then I met a friend who was going to Parsons and she had applied at Parsons and she was almost my age. And I was kind of surprised. And I never knew that you could enter fashion at a age, you know, when you're not 19. That came as a good example for me and uh, I was encouraged and you know I, I thought why not give it a try and that's when I applied to Parsons and when I got through there was no looking back at first I I thought oh my god what have I gotten myself into this like going back and doing all that what you you know all that over and over again going to school studying and you know doing all those projects but then once you dive in, you feel better. It's never too late. I just did an episode a few weeks ago, actually, about like six people that were not overnight successes, but you think they are. And I think it's so true. Like there's no such thing as like, oh, like instant success or, you know, exactly what you're going to do. Like right when you're 20, like there's so many like young people that it's like, oh yeah, like dream job, dream career, like dream position, like right when I get out of college or high school. And it's like, it, it takes some time to navigate that. And it's never too late. 
late to switch. You know, I, I, I just, I just heard something like, I've obviously you hear that all the time, overnight success, you know, the Kardashians were an overnight success. No, they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. I mean, they're an incredible success story, but those women have, you know, if you think about Kylie Jenner, Kylie Jenner has been working since she was 11. Yeah. If you think about it, building her brand and building the family brand. And so I don't think anything's an overnight success. Um, I think that it all takes, you know, some sort of, of build and some sort of training now. I mean, you know, there's, there's the Facebooks of the world, but then like, what does it take to, to have, or to, to, to have that skill, right? The skill is something that you're still building for, for, long amounts of time singers it's a skill it's something that they've been training for so I don't unless you hit the lottery and you do something else something brilliant with it like I just think it's incredibly difficult to have any type of overnight success totally totally agree I remember season one of the Kardashians waited right? is now <laughs> it's, it's those but they really learned how to pivot Right. Like, mm-hmm. not, I mean, like and, and on so many levels, so many levels and what to do with what their skills were and how to, you know, monetize that and grow that and kudos to those women. Cause they're incredible, incredible entrepreneurs. I totally agree. And I love that. This is a pro Kardashian zone. Like I, <laughs> I love them. So I, I, I don't get the haters. I'm like, there's like, they do so much. So they're hey, they awesome. wear, they wear Maison de Papillon. So I'm okay with that too. Oh, so. awesome. Love that. Okay. That's a perfect segue because I want to talk about Maison de Papillon. So starting that, what is that like to start a fashion brand and biggest learning lessons starting out? So Maison de Papillon, the clothing brand we launched back in 2013, which is eight years ago. Uh, and that was when we were still going to school. We were going to Parsons at that time. And that's when we, did, we became friends and we decided to launch a brand together. It was really a hustle because we were going, going to school. We were working on those projects. Um, it, there was always a deadline to meet. It was difficult it was challenging in the beginning we both kind of identified our strengths and weaknesses like I mentioned earlier it was still challenging to go to school and at the same time try to run a business I would say we were very driven we saw the vision you know we saw our goal we planned ahead also we came with a background which was uh, in entrepreneurship and uh, business Uh, you know, running businesses. So that came handy. The biggest learning I would say is something that we uh, learned from our mistakes was to plan till the end. We always talk about planning and, you know, it is seen as a very cliche term, but it is the most important thing. And sometimes we did plan, sometimes we didn't, you know, we went with the flow, we went, we did things spontaneously. But then if you have a very strong business plan, if you have a very strong plan, it is easier to stick to it. And even if there are things, you know, if you're thrown off a little here and there, uh, you can still manage to follow through and reach your goal. Always got to have that plan, that mission in mind. I think that is a great tip. And Danielle. We were getting slammed all sorts of different directions, right? Um, different ideas. Everyone has ideas of how you should do things. Oh, you should you should design this and you should design that. And we really need this and we really need that. And I think for me, like the biggest lesson that 
I can say that was something that I had to consistently work on. And again, I do have a very good partner that, you know, as much as of an artist as she is, she, she really does a good job of honing it back. Um, is staying true to your identity and knowing who your customer is. Who are you trying to target? Who is your customer? What do you, what is the message? Are you staying true to the brand, right? And I think that that for me has always been the biggest lesson. Keeping control of the integrity, the production, um, the vision, the style, the, um, the value of what we put out to our customer. And so for me, the biggest, the biggest lesson that we really cherish and we really try to try to stay true is who is our woman? What is she looking for? And what is the brand? Fashion comes and goes and, and fashion is very trendy and um, you have to stay ahead of the curve. You have to know what's coming, but you also need to know how to listen to your consumer. You need to learn to stop, listen, see what's happening and stay true to that. I think it's so, so important. Such great tips. So we have Maison de Papillon. Eventually, Project Gaia comes about, and that's a newer venture, and I want to hear all about that. So what was the decision to start Project Gaia? So Danielle, do you want to kick us off on this idea to start Project Gaia and where that came Yeah, the craziest thing uh, that we ever, that I could have ever done um, was for us to have this idea to start a store in the middle of the pandemic. But I think everyone's been like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, and why would you open a store when everybody else is like closing theirs, unfortunately. And that's probably why we, we did it, right? Uh, we decided to launch Project Gaia because some, we lost so we lost so much. New York City lost so much. Um, in the middle of this crazy pandemic and a lot of our colleagues lost brands, artists, designers, lost homes. And what I mean by homes is a place to showcase their products. They lost their open to buys at major department stores, at smaller stores, and they had inventory that they still either were getting ready to produce or they still had. But there's also the other thing that we encountered when we opened or when we launched the brand, which is how difficult it is to break into New York City in general as a brand. It's the hardest city to penetrate. It's the hardest store to open uh, because the, the buyers in New York City are the most, in my opinion, uh, stringent, sophisticated, curated. There's so many options in New York City. So it's very, very difficult to find a store who's willing to take a risk and without, you know, saying too much. I mean, and then there's the whole thing of, you know, how much is it going to cost you to hang and play? With Project Gaia, we wanted to create an initiative. We create, wanted to create a space which is all inclusive. Uh, we wanted to make it into, make it a experiential platform where art meets sustainable living. And, and as Danielle mentioned, um, there were a lot of brands who uh, lost their homes in terms of retail space. 
we wanted to provide Project Gaia as a platform for such brands uh, and, and such the brands which have beautiful stories. Um, they are like-minded. They, have, they share the same ethos and uh, same passion as we do towards sustainability. And during the pandemic, we realized, we found ourselves in situations where we ended up collaborating a lot with different brands, uh, which were either female founded or had beautiful uh, connections with artisans. We launched a brand called Amrit Times MDP. Um, and, and this brand works directly with the artisans uh, back in India. And uh, everything that we source is ethically sourced, uh, organically made. And that's the direction we wanted to go. We started evaluating what we were doing, how we were doing it. Um, so I think Project Gaia was a concept that started as an initiative and it is now a beautiful store space in the Flatiron District of New York. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the sustainability and I know that the impact of fashion waste is something that's really important and really concerning for you and that's a big mission on your brands so Shreya do you want to kick us off on that and why like people why consumers should be concerned about this and why that's important to your mission this question of yours ties back to the understanding of sustainability kind of a fuzzy word today and it means different things to different people I think um to us us as a, a brand, um, when we started the brand Maison de Papillon, we never spoke about sustainability off the bat. But I think we started speaking about our responsibility uh, and making decisions which were responsible towards the planet, towards the people, towards solutions. And uh, that's what I would say uh, has been always our mission when, when it uh, when it was Maison de Papillon, uh, and it still is, um, we the driving force was always providing solutions for the consumer. And that's when we decided uh, we would make reversible garments. Uh, the philosophy that we always followed with Maison de Papillon is buy less and buy better. And when it came to the pandemic, we decided that we are going to be more more conscious and more mindful of whatever we're doing uh, and how we're doing it. And that's when the whole initiative, the Project Gaia initiative started to target it, not superficially, but going into, you know, diving into the details, um, right from sourcing the garments, uh, sourcing the fabric to sourcing, uh, to, to designing and how we're designing it. Where are we sourcing it from? Diving deep into the, the supply chain I think the whole idea of when people look at Project Gaia and they're like, is everything that you guys sell here green? Tria just touched on that. Sustainability doesn't mean, it, it means a lot of different things, right? Um, but it's Project Gaia is a movement. Project Gaia New York City is a movement. That's what we have. And, um, and the idea is to get designers and brands to move forward and look for ways to be more sustainable. So we don't shame brands for not being sustainable. It's funny or for not for not being 100% organic or for not like uh, for not being, you know, um, turnkey 100% natural. Like that's not necessarily what our job is or our movement is about. It's about 
getting designers to ask or to think about, ask themselves or think about how can I do a little bit better, right? One step at a time. It doesn't have to be from one day to the next. Could I buy biodegradable packaging? Could I um, ship in recycled materials? Can I use biodegradable shipping materials? Can I work with materials that are composed of recycled byproduct? It's just asking those questions. What is, and, and we've asked ourselves the exact same questions. What is our carbon footprint? Because, I, you know, I just had a conversation with the designer yesterday and they're like, well, we're not a hundred, we're not like all natural fibers. Da, da, da. And my, our question is always such, what is your sustainable story or factor? And, and I love it when, when there is something under, and they'll say, oh, well, we're not very sustainable, but we all, we use all natural dyes. Awesome. Right. But I will tell you that one of the cool things is that we're, we're discovering some really incredible brands and I'm sorry, I'm clapping. I'm so excited because we have discovered some incredible, incredible techniques and methods of design and, and creativity. I mean, we have a designer that just joined Project Gaia that was a designer for Bottega Veneta. It's a little brand. I'm not sure if you're familiar. <laughs> he works for Bottega Veneta and um, he, ha- he makes these incredibly, incredibly beautiful shoes and, and he makes them from, they're vegetarian, basically. They're, they're, he uses like um, pineapple skin and apple mm-hmm. skin and um, it's, it's, it's insane, you know? Um, how creative we're becoming on, on how to produce garments. And that just puts a little less pressure on, um, on like on the leather good supply chain. Right. And, um, and, you know, there's some things that, you know, I mean, I, I get it. Like you want, you want leather and that's okay. I mean, are again we're not here to shame or say you should be 100% vegan or you should be like you should like no you can't do with leather we're just not we're, we don't make the everybody can do what they want to do but um to take a little like to be able to use products a hundred percent especially when they're not being eaten you're able to make the most of now products I mean I've uh, uh, vegetables like I've we have another brand that that is a uh, hand sanitizer that does the same thing. Like they they basically developed hand sanitizer from the byproducts of fruits and vegetables that were essentially going bad due to COVID. Wow. That it's, is it's so insane. cool. It's it's insane. It blows my mind. <laughs> but um, but yeah, just you know, I mean, and that that's what our that's what the mission is, and that's what the what the what the movement is 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 how can we just encourage other designers and and shed a little light on the entrepreneurs that are doing all that they can do to make our planet a little better. So cool, and I like that mindset too. Just one small step. That's that's a great step okay, in the right direction. Great. And it's funny because even like the other day, you know, I went to a hotel and, and I was like really disappointed because there's no like recycle bins and that really like makes you think they really should be like we should we all like all those little steps make a huge difference right and so it really makes you think like okay well is this a, is this a, is this a property that I want to really support it just it just does because I want I want a place I mean 
you're still pretty young, Abby, but you know, you, I'm sure you want, you're already thinking about a place for your kids, kids to, to be able to run around. And, and we, and those, those are serious issues. And I like that you're bringing it up in more of an approachable way too, because I think sometimes it is kind of like the all or nothing, but I, it's, it doesn't, then it's overwhelming and then people don't do anything. <laughs> Yeah, and businesses, it is very challenging to achieve. Uh, there's nothing called a 100% sustainable brand. And for a smaller brand, it is very challenging, but it is at the same time very surprising that smaller brands are able to achieve sustainability much better as compared to the bigger brands or bigger companies. I think that is a good mindset to have for anyone listening in the sustainability sector, in your career sector, like all these different aspects, step-by-step step here. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a question that's it's a very important question in fashion right now. It's in, in, industry-wide. Like, I, I don't care what industry you're in. How, what your footprint is, what your carbon footprint is. If you don't know it, yeah, it's important for you to know what your carbon footprint is. How can you do better? I mean, we just did this exercise ourselves. We know how we can be better. And a lot of that has to do with planning. Um, but, and it's not to shame anyone, but I do think that this is something that's not going away. I think the consumer is becoming a lot more sophisticated about uh, wanting clean products, clean beauty. We have a whole department in our, within our Project Gaia, that's our clean living department. Um, I mean, all of Project Gaia really is about sustainability, but but it's all about, and we call it the, it's our little apothecary and um, and everything that you find there, you'll, you'll, you can find everything from like dishwashing liquid to hand sanitizer that's, a, not all hand sanitizers are made the same. And these are things that you really, you think that they're safe, but they're not necessarily safe. Right. So you really have to ask the questions. And so down to like organic chocolate, like we, we have all those things. And I think that we do the homework for the consumer. That makes it so much easier for the consumer too. You've already done mm -hmm. that, that first step now. Yeah. Um, okay. So now I'm like, okay, I need to come to project Gaia. Like I'm so you excited. Do. I'm going to come <laughs> once everything calms down. Like I'm, I'm going to head to New York and I'm going to go. Cause it sounds so cool. And before we head into the top 10 with you two, one quick last question, number one piece of advice for building connections in this industry. So like the creative industry, this fashion industry, because you mentioned like working with other designers and other creators at Project Gaia and even the Kardashians wearing Maison de Papillon, like just like that partnership collaboration mindset, number one piece of advice for partnerships and kind of networking. I think- swimming upstream. I think everything that it is that we do at Maison de Papillon, Project Gaia, everything that we're doing is different from any other industry, like anybody else in our industry, typically. Um, if they're going left, we're usually going right. And we really, and I, I've, I'm not saying that, that I just feel that that makes us shine a little bit more. And so we're able to create these incredible relationships with these buyers that I would say are typically not being approached by, by us or people like us. We have to be really unique and service oriented. And when everybody else is doing this show, we may be doing that show too, but we are, we're really focusing on left versus right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so um, even in our building relationships, typically maybe they're building a relationship 
A and we're focusing on B to, to, to build relationships. And I think that, I mean, what my story is, is being unique, right? At the end of the day. And we definitely network. And I think Project Gaia is an example of how we network. I mean, this is one giant network. Everything that Project Gaia is, is about mentor, creating mentorship programs. Um, just because you're a Project Gaia doesn't mean that you are a new brand that needs to be discovered. I mean, we have brands that have, that are in, like just incredible designers that have been around and we're really lucky to have them at Project Gaia, but they're really at Project Gaia because they're, 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 um, they know the importance of networking and mentoring. And so um, I think that that's really important. And we've actually, Project Gaia has become something even more for our, our buyers. It's, it's become a platform for them to come and find what's new and what's next. So again, without saying too much of, our, of, of what our, our secret little weapons are, we definitely want to create something unique and special for our, our buyers and for our consumer. And so really just thinking of the, outside the box, like come up with your own ideas and, and be, you know, someone, be a visionary, uh, be that outlier. And I think that that is the most, one of the most important things that I've learned as an entrepreneur in creating relationships and building my network is bringing something fresh to the table that is not typically brought to the table. I would say identifying in today's climate, identifying change and acknowledging change is very important um, to even understand the opportunity and accordingly change um, with the environment. It is very important for you to make a decision, take the plunge and still be true to yourself, true to your vision, trying to fulfill, uh, you know, fulfilling that void or the niche that you've identified at the same time, working together as a community. And that's what Project Gaia is all about. I love it. Okay. So we are going to head into the Working Girl Talk top 10 super quick because I know we are out of time. Five quick questions for each of you. First one is my first job ever. Shreya, kick us off. My first job was uh, at a very small uh, IT company and my job was content development, which I hated. (laughs) (laughs) Selling Girl Scout cookies at seven. Next one a girl boss that I look up to, Danielle. Sarah Blakely. <laughs> Does it really get better than her? She's amazing. She is. And Shreya. <laughs> that's, that's a difficult one. Um, I, I would say Sarah Blakely too. She's awesome. And next one, I feel most confident when? When I'm just myself and not bothered about what other people are thinking and Danielle I feel most confident when I am with family I love it nothing better and next one proudest moment in your career so far opening up project Gaia and Shreya I'm seeing and next and last one I am inspired by blank Shreya we'll kick it to you first art and Danielle you got me (laughs) I'm inspired by my son. He's constantly someone that I have to like. I feel not necessarily answer to, but be a good role model for. So he is everything. Like he's my entire muse uh, for for doing things right and, and well. I'm inspired by him. Beautiful. Where can everyone follow Project Gaia, Maison de Papillon, and you guys, if you want to drop the handles, and I'll also link them in the show notes as well. 
So follow us at Project Gaia NYC on Instagram, as well as at Maison de Papillon on pretty much all social media handles. Thank you so much. I know that interview had the gears turning in my head, and I hope it did the same for you. So many great insights there. Lastly, for today's Friday favorite, something I share that week that inspired me or something that I like that I want to share with all of you is just to go outside, take a break, enjoy the the sunshine, enjoy those summer rays wherever you are. Just take a minute, breathe, get outside for a second. I know that is always so helpful, especially mid-work day. If you're stressed, just go take a step outside. And make sure to hit that subscribe button and share this episode with the coworker that needs to hear it today. Thank you so much for listening to Working Girl Talk. Have a wonderful work day and I will talk to you next week.